I haven't preached for like two months. So this could either go extremely well because I've had plenty of time in quarantine to plan for this, or it could go horrendously. We'll see, okay? <laughs> we'll also see if Tim lets me come up here and preach again. <laughs> so Daniel preached a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you've listened to it. If you haven't, you've got to go check it out. It's online. And he preached on the blessing of God comes from his presence. If you want the blessing of God, you need his presence in your life. His whole sermon was titled, God in the Center, I believe, right? God in the Center. We need God to be the center of our life, right? Now, I feel like God gave me this sermon before he ever even preached, and I feel like it was the, the other half of it. It's like a two-sided coin. Because sometimes we're doing all the right things, and we don't feel the blessing of God. Who here has ever felt that? Maybe recently, right? We can feel like, God, I'm doing everything you want. Why is life so hard right now? Daniel mentioned that to have the blessing of God, you need the presence of God, and the presence of God comes from his throne. So is God on the throne in your life? That's, that's the real question. Now, if he is on the throne, you will be blessed. That's what scripture says. Go read Proverbs. It says it multiple times. And oddly enough, I don't have a proverb this time because I feel like I would have my whole sermon on Proverbs if I did. But then you look at the book of Job and you see this difficulty, this challenge where this man was considered righteous. He was blessed by God immensely. He was doing everything he wanted. And then life hits him hard. Who here has ever been in that position? Life hits him hard. He gets hit with a lot of trouble. And the question is, why? I mean, wasn't he supposed to be blessed? I'll get to that in a minute. Daniel hit a home run with his sermon, though. Jesus needs to rule your life. Which is what I'm going to be really focusing my sermon on is, do you let God rule your life when things are hard, when things are difficult, when you don't feel like you want to, when, when life keeps pushing against you and your faith seems to be put under fire? And the sermon I'm going to be preaching on is all based off of Daniel chapter 3. If you know what that is, you'll know where I'm going. But it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you can put the graphic up there. Faith under fire. I'll get into the scripture here in a little bit, but let me first start with an example from my own life. Not a lot of you know this, and I don't even know if Tim knows all the truth behind this. <laughs> so this will be new to him too. But when we moved here three years ago in this September, it was not a cakewalk. <laughs> it was difficult. It was hard. We had a lot of challenges that we faced when we moved here. God called us to move here, and we believe that 100%. But at the time, Caitlin was pregnant with Milo. She was about eight weeks pregnant. Only our family really knew about it because it was so early on. And they say, if you didn't know this, they say not to mention it to a lot of people until you hit 12 weeks because... Most miscarriages happen before then. And so we're wanting to mention it to those that we could confide in in case that did happen. 
But she was pregnant with Milo, and if you didn't know this, my wife gets horrible, horrible morning sickness when it comes to being pregnant. Really, really bad. And we had to drive all the way here from Minnesota, and she had to drive because I had to drive the (laughs) U-Haul. So she gets terrible car sickness, too. So you can just imagine what she was going through during that time. It was really, really difficult. We get here, and we're like, God, we're, we're following after you. We're doing what you want. And we know that you will bless us because of it. But it did not feel like we got blessing when we moved here. It was really hitting us hard. We had our car break down three times after we got here in one month. Yeah, the car that we got, it, it hadn't broken down like at all, and we had it for three years by that point. And then suddenly we move here, and it's like, no, I don't want to work anymore. I don't know, maybe it was the mountains it had a hard time getting through, but we, we had our car break down multiple times. And this is the big one. The Sunday that we were being announced as the new youth pastor, young adult pastor, Tim was going to have us come up here. He was going to announce this to the rest of the church. That night before, we got maybe two hours of sleep because Luella got the worst diaper rash of her entire life. And it's the worst rash that any of our kids have ever had. It was blistering. I don't want to be too graphic, but she wasn't sleeping at all through the whole night. She kept banging her head on the side of where she was sleeping in because we were sleeping in a camper for two weeks when we moved here. And we're just like, God, what do you want us to do? Why We moved here. I thought this is what you wanted. And just things kept happening, and we come up, and we get called up to the front. And, and I, I debated saying this, Randy... I love you so much. <laughs> yes, he, he came up to me after first service and was like, hey, good job up there. You did a great job, but can I just mention, can you look a little happier? Can you smile? I wanted to punch the guy square in the nose. I was so upset. <laughs> and I hope it didn't look like I did. <laughs> but guys, it was so difficult. And somebody's going through something, and you may not know what it is. They may be going through a fire. <laughs> Their faith may be being tested, and you don't know what they're going through. For me, Randy had no idea. Because I'm not going to like get up here and tell everybody, hey, thanks for bringing us here. Life sucks right now. <laughs> Hope I can say that. <laughs> but it was, it was really, really difficult. I don't know if you've had a similar experience. Where you're like, you know what, God... I love you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you want. And you suffer for it. Things are hard. Things are difficult. You feel like you're going through a fiery furnace. And you question, why is this happening to me? I thought I was blessed by God. I thought I was supposed to be getting all these blessings. Where, is, where are the blessings? Here's the thing. Not once did I question if I was supposed to be here. I knew I was supposed to be here. I questioned God why all these things were happening to me, which is what Job did too, right? But he never cursed God. But I never once thought, I'm not supposed to be here. I never once thought this was a mistake bringing my family here. I never once thought to myself, I should be back in Minnesota. It's where I belong. I never thought that. 
Caitlin never thought that either. Even in the midst of seeing her kid hurting and in pain, she was 11 months, guys, at the time. She wasn't even walking yet. And we, we had challenges and hardships, but remember God is good. Remember God's promises to you. God is a good God, amen? The scripture we're going to be reading is in Daniel 3, like I mentioned. You may be going through a fiery trial right now. This COVID-19, if you're an extrovert, it's a fiery trial. (laughs) It is hard. Introverts, we all have our hard times. It's really difficult for everybody because we realize how much we need people, right? We're being starved of something that God created at the beginning of humanity. We need fellowship, right? Now, in this passage here, Daniel 3, verse 15 through 20, says, Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. I'm going to pray here to get rolling. God, speak to us through your word. What I just read in the scripture we're about to read God, like you gave the word to Kim that we do not give up. She doesn't know this, but it was so pivotal for this message. God, I pray that we would be people that would choose to go through the fire instead of avoid it. God, that we would choose to welcome the trials in this world that come our way because James says, consider it pure joy, it grows us. So, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I able to get a cup of water? I'm a little thirsty. <laughs> now, these guys were bold. They were bold people. That was a bold statement, right? Now, let me give a little background to this situation. If you don't know this story, most of you probably do. But if you don't, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're, they're Israelites, they're Jews, And they're living in Babylon because Babylon disobeyed God hardcore. And God warned them, you're going to go into exile. I'm going to allow hardship to come upon you. If you're not going to learn things the easy way, I guess you'll learn them the hard way. And that's what happened. Thousands of Jews were taken into captivity into Babylon. And four of them stood out among the rest for their faith. We've got Daniel, who this book is, right? The book of Daniel. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
Not a whole lot is known about them, other than that they were young, they were rather handsome, and they had a strong faith, and they had convictions that they stood on. Now, we're going to focus on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yes, thanks. <laughs> I'll take it. Give me a second here. This will be awkward. Mmm. Water's good. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they've been tested in their faith before. In the book of Daniel, chapter 1, they're tested for their faith with Daniel. And they're considered friends of his. They withstand the trial, and they're promoted for it. At this point in time, when King Nebuchadnezzar is threatening them, their life's good. Things are well for them. They're in charge of a lot. They've got plenty. You could say that they, they're in need of nothing. And Nebuchadnezzar threatens it. He says, do what I say, or I'll kill you. <laughs> right? That's what he says. And he gets so angry with their, in his eyes, arrogance, with their devotion to somebody other than him, that he heats the furnace seven times hotter because fire is not enough to kill somebody, apparently. <laughs> and throws him in the fire, right? You guys felt that way. You guys felt like, I feel like I'm in a fire right now. I feel like I just got thrown into a furnace. But listen to what they say. He will deliver us from your hand, O Majesty, but even if he doesn't. What does that sound like? Does that sound like faith? <laughs> He'll deliver us, and he's going to, but he might not. <laughs> Have you guys ever felt that way? God, you told me to do this. God, you promised me this, and I'm going to devote myself to you. I'm going to follow you. And then things are getting hard. Things are challenging. Life's throwing its punches at you, and you're feeling every single one of them. And you're like, God, are you still there? <laughs> I thought you were going to help me, but instead I'm just suffering here. Do you want to watch me suffer? Life is hard sometimes, right? But these guys were bold. They had an even-if kind of faith. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at me. It doesn't matter what the enemy's arsenal has. It doesn't matter the arrows he throws at me. It doesn't matter if he throws me in a fire instead of just shoots them at me. I will not give up. I will not stop following my God. He alone is God, amen? That's the kind of faith that these guys had, and I don't know if you have that kind of faith. Maybe you're like, I want it. I want that kind of faith. I desire it. But what does it take to get it? What does it take to get a faith like that? A faith that's fueled by convictions instead of comfort. Let me say that again, a faith that's fueled by convictions instead of comfort, instead of convenience. I would argue that the church today is not one of conviction, especially in America at least. <laughs> really, it's not one of conviction. The majority of people that come through those doors, I would argue, are here to find comfort. Which, don't get me wrong, I understand. <laughs> but really, the truth of it is, we need the truth. 
That's what we need. When we walk through those doors, that's what we need. We need the truth. And the three points I have for you here is to get through the fiery trial, you must, number one, seek truth, not comfort. Easier said than done, right? <laughs> well, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Your life's comfortable right now. <laughs> Guys, I feel like I just got out of this fire like that I got into when I came here maybe last year. <laughs> and then God thrust me back into it with COVID. <laughs> Fiery trials happen. They're going to happen. Once you get out of one, it's to prepare you to be thrown in another. But what do you seek when you come here? What do you seek when you come after God? Are you seeking after the truth and what he wants you to know about a situation, whether it feels good to hear it, whether it's comforting or not? Or are you just wanting him to pat you on the back and say, it's okay? <laughs> Sorry if I'm stepping on toes. <laughs> Seek the truth, not comfort. A life with Jesus is a life of sacrifice. It's difficult. It's going to cost you something. But what's a sacrifice? It's you giving up something for something of greater value. You're trading up. You're making a decision to say no to something else because what you're getting as a result of it is of greater value than what you're giving up. Do you believe that? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed it. God is of higher value than anything you could take from me. He is worth more than any of these treasures here in Babylon. That was their attitude towards him. It doesn't matter what you say. You could take my life. It doesn't matter. Because you can't destroy God's people. You can't get rid of us. I got a profound statement by C.S. Lewis. If you've never read any of this stuff, I highly suggest Mere Christianity, which is where this quote is from. You can pull the quote up here. I love this quote so much. In religion as in war and everything else, comfort is the one thing you cannot get by looking for it. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin with, and in the end, despair. Let me give you an example. I'll give you one for the ladies and one for the men. I'll start with the men, because, well, I guess I can start with the ladies first. <laughs> now, I personally don't know this example super well. I've had a face mask put on me once. <laughs> Did it with Caitlin. But um, if I understand right, you do a face mask, you put, put the stuff on your face, and it's to cleanse your face, right? Largely, it's women that do it because they wear makeup from time to time. And makeup's hard to get off, right, ladies? I don't know. Tell me. Correct me if it's wrong. <laughs> but makeup can be hard to get off, so you have to do a deep cleanse in order to really strip your face from all the stuff that's wrong. All the, all the bad stuff, the stuff that's wrong. I shouldn't have said that, right? <laughs> but you put a face mask on, and... You need to get the hard stuff off. Now, if you were to just take some soft soap like this, even soft soap from Walmart, the brand itself, which I don't even think existed at this point, would that wash your face properly? If you were to take some soft soap and just 
scrub it on and then rinse your face. Is that going to do the job? No. You need something powerful, something intense to be able to do it, right? Amen. I got an example for you. Who's ever worked on a car before? Who's ever gotten their hands dirty with terrible grease? Hard to get off, right? You go into the bathroom, you're going to make a mess and get your wife all mad, right? But you use soft soap. If you were to just use hand soap, is that going to get the stuff off? No. It's, <laughs> it might not even get it off the first time with the good stuff. But what does he say? Only soft soap and wishful thinking. Comfort, that's going to take care of my life. Comfort, that's going to get rid of my problems. Comfort, that's going to solve things. No, it's not. You need the truth. You need the truth of the word. You need the truth of God. You need the truth about you. Which, first and foremost, the truth that we need to come with God is, I'm broken. I'm a mess. I need something strong to get rid of this sin. <laughs> because I can't get rid of it with soft soap. It's not working. You can't get rid of it with just comfort, guys. And the challenges we face are the same thing. We need the truth about something. You want your marriage to get better? Learn the truth about it. Learn the truth about yourself in your marriage before you learn the truth about your spouse. Because the problem is always them, right? <laughs> learn the truth about your children. If you want your children to be raised up to know Jesus and live like him, you need to know the truth about them where they are as well as about yourself, because we can't parent on our own, right? We need the Lord. Parents are like, yes, you are preaching. <laughs> but we need the truth, right? We can't go this alone. Obviously, what we want every time is comfort, right? Just, just tell me things are going to be better. My marriage is really hard right now. My kids are wanting me to Pull out my hair. I, I want to pull out my hair. And they want to pull out my hair for me. <laughs> Maybe school's a challenge. Maybe God's told you something and it hasn't happened yet. Like this virus be gone, right? <laughs> but we need the truth. Comfort's not going to solve things. Is there service and devotion to God dependent on your blessings from God? Or is it something more? Let me say that again. Is your service and devotion to God dependent on your blessings from Him? Or is it something more? Because if it's dependent on blessing, which I would say the American people equate the word blessing with comfort, they're not interchangeable, guys. They're not the same. But we as Americans, we tend to say, God... I want your blessing. And really what we're saying is, I want to be comfortable. I want your comfort in my life. <laughs> Which, like C.S. Lewis said, it's going to come. Comfort will come. It could. But if you seek after the comfort first, you're not going to get either. You're just going to be full of despair. Like if you try to clean your hands with all the junk on, and you're like, it didn't work. My hands are a mess. <laughs> We need the truth, right? We
We expect God to just get rid of our troubles, which, mind you, the disciples did the same thing. They thought Jesus was going to come, the Messiah, and just get rid of the Romans. They're the problem, but sin's the problem. <laughs> it's not people that's the problem. The next scripture I have for you is in John chapter 16, verse 33. And I'm reading most of these out of the NIV if you're following along on the Bible app or something. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now this, this passage makes me laugh because it's like, wait, Jesus, you said in me you'll have peace. You're going to have trouble though. Wait, isn't that a contradiction? <laughs> yes, I'm going to have peace. But wait, wait, wait. In this world, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> so mind you, the trouble's not going to leave until you leave this world. That doesn't mean remove yourself from the world, okay? <laughs> because you're supposed to be a light in the world to point people to Jesus, right? But in me, you will have peace. Guys, you can have peace in the midst of chaos. You can have peace in the midst of crisis. You can have peace in the midst of things falling apart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had that. They had this peace that overcame them. They're like, it doesn't matter because, I mean, what's he going to take from me? My life? God's got everything for me. I mean, if I'm going to see him sooner rather than later, so be it. But it seemed like a contradiction, right? This passage, peace and trouble. The world tells us they don't compute. They don't work together. If you got trouble, you can't have peace. But if you got peace, that means you don't have trouble. But that's not the Bible, guys. That's not the truth. Jesus said you can have peace in me because what? We're in Christ, right? We're in Christ in this world, and we're in the world, but not of it. Which means we're going to have both. <laughs> we're going to have troubles, and we're going to have peace. Which, if you know the truth of that, that's comforting, right? You can have peace in the midst of crisis. It requires you to trust God. It requires you to make sacrifices, though. Nobody likes to make sacrifices, right? Because they're painful. You're getting rid of something that you want, right? You see something of value. And you're saying no to this. That you've had. And it's painful to get rid of that value, right? It's painful to give those things up. Shortly after saying this passage, though, Jesus also says, whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the truth. It's the uncomfortable truth. <laughs> but it's the truth, right? It may be uncomfortable. It may be painful. But it brings comfort to you when you yield to it. And you allow God to rule. Like Daniel said a couple of weeks ago, he's got to be on the throne. You've got to let him rule your life. That's where the peace comes from, guys. That's where comfort eventually will come. Now don't get me wrong, Jesus comforts, right? The Holy Spirit's called the comforter. And Jesus says, in me you will have peace. But funny enough, he also said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. <laughs> like, wait, what are you talking about? 
You're the Prince of Peace and you didn't come to bring peace? What's wrong? Well, sin's wrong. Sin's the problem. He needed to bring a sword. He needs to cut through to what we need, right? We need the truth in our lives. And point number two. To get through the fiery trial, you must trust God with your sacrifice. When you sacrifice it, let it go. <laughs> let it be. Don't try to take it back off the altar. You're going to get your hands burned anyways. <laughs> Trust God with your sacrifice. It's easier said than done, right? Probably didn't know I'd be stepping on so many toes today, did you? <laughs> Have you ever read the Bible and gotten mad at what it said? Think about it. Have you read the Bible... You read something in there and said, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) If you haven't, maybe you haven't read the Bible enough. (laughs) But also if you haven't, I'll I'll read a passage here that might do the trick for you. Trusting God is going to cost you. You're you're welcome, John. (laughs) It's going to cost you something. A life with Jesus is a life of sacrifice, right? If you haven't gotten mad at the Bible, here's a passage. Luke 9, 59, or 57 through 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to, Jesus, said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Ouch, right? He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Very understandable thing, right? Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. <laughs> Guys, don't tell the people that, okay? <laughs> You're not Jesus. I just, I just got to make that clear. Let the b- dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back. is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Guys, Jesus was offensive. (laughs) But he said the truth. And if you believe that, then this passage takes a lot of work to come to terms with. It does. It takes a lot of cleansing of your hands, cleansing of your face. Guys, I'm still puzzled by this scripture, and I read it a lot. I'm like, what does this mean, Jesus? And I think about it a lot. I'm like, God, why are you such a jerk? (laughs) But really, I mean, you look at this passage, and you're like, Jesus, I thought you were, like, compassionate. I thought you were all loving and everything. Like, let the dead bury their own dead? How heartless can you be? But I looked up some, some specifics on this, and during this time in culture, in Jewish culture, a burial process was like, could be a year long. They would bury the body and then wait a year to take the bones and they would put it in like some box or something like that. I don't know if it's likened to Joseph when his bones were taken out. I don't know. But either way, think about it. At this point, Jesus could have been crucified by then. You're going to wait a year to follow me? <laughs> I might be gone. (laughs) And Jesus knew that. Come proclaim the kingdom. And then the other man who says, 
let me go say goodbye to my family. It's understandable, right? We love our family, and we're called to actually love our family by Jesus. Honor your father and mother. But he says, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom. And I would argue that he goes back, he's going to be tempted to stay back. He's going to be tempted to not leave. They're going to try to convince him, no, don't leave. Or they're going to give him a bunch of comforts for the journey. And Jesus is saying, no. He, he's getting to the truth of the matter, right? He's not telling them the comfortable things they want to hear. But he knows the problem. Their devotion isn't to him. Their convictions about Jesus are not bigger than their comforts of this life. They wanted a time when it would be convenient to follow Jesus. Think about it. They wanted a time when it was going to be comfortable to say yes to follow him. I don't know if you've been waiting for that. But I'm going to tell you the truth. It's not coming. If you're waiting for the right moment to follow Jesus, it's now. It's not until life is comfortable and Everything is convenient for you. And yeah, I'll follow Jesus now because, you know, my kids are all gone or, or I don't have kids, so I, I can follow now. They were waiting for a comfortable moment to follow Jesus, but the truth is a comfortable moment isn't coming unless you go to the truth, right? You go to the truth, then the comfort's going to come like C.S. Lewis said. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comforts abound through Christ. You cannot have comfort without suffering. You guys didn't want to hear that, did you? <laughs> well, think about it. Who needs to be comforted? Is it those who are suffering or those who are not? If you're needing comfort, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, right? We want the comfort, but we don't want the suffering, which, mind you, comes from sacrifice. So if you bring sacrifice, you're going to be uncomfortable, right? But Jesus will comfort you. It's this cycle. You bring sacrifice to him. You suffer for it, he comforts you. You bring sacrifice to him, you suffer for it, he comforts you. Paul was the one who wrote this. For just as we share abundantly in his sufferings of Christ. If somebody knows anything about that, it's definitely Paul. <laughs> he suffered for Christ immensely, guys. Go read it in Corinthians. I think it's Second Corinthians, right? He suffered a lot. But never once did he say, you're not worth it. What have you been saying with your suffering? I love that God works with us. <laughs> Peter denied Jesus three times. And he said, if you acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you before the Father. You deny me, I'll deny you before the Father. But he didn't give up on him. And he's acknowledging Peter before the Father. 
He didn't give up on him. He's not giving up on you guys either. Maybe this message is proof of that. <laughs> you can have comfort, but you have to have suffering too. You can't have one without the other. But the sacrifices are worth it. Romans eight seventeen through 18 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, there it is again, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul had a kingdom mindset. He had a future mindset. He was a future thinker. And, and those of us that think in the present, it's hard. It's hard to get ourselves in that position, right? But you've got to remember, this is not the end. Your suffering is not where things end. Because did the suffering end for Jesus? Yeah. He's in his glory now. <laughs> Jesus suffered, but that wasn't the end of the story. He didn't die, get buried in a tomb, and he's still there. Guys, he's risen, and you are risen with Christ. That's what the Bible says, right? Suffering is painful. We don't want to do it. <laughs> but it's worth it. Do you believe that sacrificing things is worth it because you're trading up? That your faith can go through the fire. You can be under fire with your faith because on the other side, it's going to be better. It's going to be better for you and as well as better for others. They're completely worth enduring through. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This one's New Living Translation. If you're wondering what God's wanting you to sacrifice, here's the answer. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will is perfect for you guys. But strangely enough, that includes suffering. If you go read it in First Peter, I'm not going to bring it up. <laughs> But if we suffer for Christ, if it's his will, it's good. It says that in there. I get frustrated every time I read it. <laughs> Suppose the time I read it when I'm suffering. God, I don't want to hear that. But what kind of sacrifice is God wanting from you? You. He wants your life. You might be saying, I come to both services. I sacrifice. I help out with the kids. I do this, I do that. I told somebody about Jesus yesterday. Okay, great. Keep doing it. <laughs> Is there something that you're holding to that you don't want to give up, though? You want to know what Americans hold to the most? It's their time and their money. Let me give you an example. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but... <laughs> How many people tithe in the church? You go look up statistics. It's not everybody. 
In fact, it's far less than half. That's the church in America. I don't know the statistics about elsewhere. What about time? How many of you volunteer? How many of you do go to bus services? <laughs> How many of you help in a ministry? How many of you take time out of your day to go share the gospel with somebody? Or do you keep it to yourself? I know how many people volunteer here. <laughs> it's far less than half. And that's stepping on toes, right? <laughs> but really, think about it. What do you sacrifice, and what is God calling you to sacrifice? He wants all of you. Guys, he wants your life. Because it's far better in his hands than out of them. That's the thing that's important, to remember the truth of it, that I can't clean myself up. My life is broken without God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So why would you want to live apart from him? But with God, all things are possible, man. What are you going to sacrifice? What's God calling you to? The third point, this is the last thing, and I'll close up here. Remember that Jesus is with you in the fire. This will really, really, really help you. <laughs> you want to know how to get to the, through the fiery trials? You need to do this. These three things. Seek truth instead of comfort. Super important, right? Trust God with your sacrifice, which is what? Yourself, right? <laughs> it's us. We're called the sacrifice. Give him your life, because then you'll find it, right? That's what Jesus said. And then remember that Jesus is with you in the fire. You're not going through this alone. Let's go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Chapter 3 of Daniel, verse 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. They would never tell him no anyways. <laughs> and he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. That's Jesus, guys. <laughs> God is with you in the fire. And what we often desire and what we want is, God, remove this trial from me. Get rid of it. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I want to hear that, God. But it's the truth, right? Things are made perfect in weakness. So if you want to be perfect, you've got to be weak. Quite a lot. <laughs> but we see here, he's with them, right? And they knew that. They knew, I'm not going through this alone. God's going to take care of me. Whether I'm going to be with him, or whether he uses me to make a difference. Which either way, it's going to be to make a difference, right? He's there with you. We don't need to overcome these trials and stuff. God says that with me, I have overcome the world. You don't need to do it. But here's the thing. The only thing we need to overcome is the temptation to give up. Kim nailed it with the word she shared. I should say God nailed it, right? <laughs> He knows what we need to hear, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to keep saying it. We don't need to overcome anything 
the enemy throws at us other than the temptation to give up. And that's what he wants us to do. That was his mission and goal when torturing Job in the book of Job. was to get him to give up. To curse God and say, God's the problem. I'm not going to follow him anymore. <laughs> but he never did. And that was his, that's his goal and mission with every single fiery trial he has you go through. That Jesus is there with you in it. And it's impossible to get you to give up if you look at that. If you look to him and trust in him to get you through the fire. Remember the truth, guys. And know that comfort comes through the truth. Comfort doesn't come by itself. We need the truth. Trust God and remember that he's there with you. Amen. And this last passage I'm going to read to you. You can come up and play, Katie. <laughs> I know you're on your way. Daniel 3, 28-30. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. This is his response after he gets them out of the fire. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. Nobody ever does that. <laughs> and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. You guys willing to do that? Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut up into pieces and their house be turned into a pile of rubble. For no other God can save like theirs. Keep in mind, he's still, he's still acting like his normal self a little bit here. <laughs> cut them into pieces. Wait, that's, that's not important. <laughs> but he saw the truth. Nebuchadnezzar was changed that day because of that the king of a horrible nation of Babylon that, mind you, sacrificed children. And instead of doing that, he saw them sacrifice themselves. and said, well, what God is this? Who is this God that they serve? That not only that, they were willing to die if he didn't save them, but that he did in the first place. This last scripture, super short, think about this. Go about your day today. If you go about your week, do this. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Seek the truth. Be ready to sacrifice. And don't forget, God is with you every step of the way. Don't you realize that Christ Jesus, I, I got off track here, sorry. <laughs> Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Guys, he's with you the whole way. Unless, of course, you fail the test. Guys, don't give up. COVID-19, it's frustrating, right? Don't give up. Some of you here have lost your job. Guys, it's hard. Life is difficult. Don't give up. It's worth it in the end. Somebody might need to see you get through your suffering. Somebody might need to see it and see you devoted to God still no matter what life throws at you. 
Somebody might need to witness how good God is. And he's good regardless of suffering, right? Go to God today, guys. Think, God, test me. Do what David did. If there's any unclean thing in me, get rid of it. I don't want it. But remember, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost something. Amen? God, you are a good God. And the world tells us that you're not. You are good. And the world threatens us and says, what God can save you, like Nebuchadnezzar did, you're good. God, I pray that you would help us to seek the truth, not comfort. That your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. God, I pray that we would be willing to sacrifice. We'd be willing to get up, give up the things that you don't want in our life. And that we would remember that you're there with us through the whole thing. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. In Jesus' name.